Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever 35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dory Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And hello and welcome to another episode. Here we are once again. Here we are. Headphones mounted on our ears, yep. microphones in front of our faces. That is how we record. <laughs> we are excited to share this day with you. Yeah, we are. Dory, yes. tell me what's going on. What is new? What is old? Well, Henry is almost 11 weeks old. He's basically a teen. He's a teen. He's just growing and changing in front of my very eyes. Oh. I know. It's kind of wild. Yeah, it is. Human growth is fascinating. Human growth. Imagine that. Yeah, weird. Who knew that was going to happen? <laughs> um, no, but 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 things are good. We, my husband and I, have been working with a financial coach. I'm very excited to hear all about this. Well, because you've talked. The finances have been a sticky point throughout us doing this podcast. Throughout my relationship with uh-huh. my husband, uh-huh. I would say. Um, 
Yeah. So it all sort of came to a head, I'd say a few weeks before Henry was born. I was sort of like, huh, I would like to just feel like I have more control over our finances. Like we've never been good about budgets. We've never been good about like long-term savings goals. I've always been like, I want to buy a house, but I'll never be able to. Oh, well, you know. um, Now you've got a third member of your family. A fourth Oh, that's true. Excuse me. Come on, Sorry. Kate. Sorry, Bo. It's a good thing Bo isn't here today. <laughs> you did start a college fund for Bo. I did. Yes. Um, and so a woman, I was uh, kind of a friend of a friend had recommended this financial coach who she had used. And I was like, what's a financial coach? Like, I've heard of a financial advisor. Um a financial like manager, but I didn't really know what a financial coach was. And it turns out a financial coach is someone who just kind of helps you look at your finances, really helps you like make a budget, um, helps you figure out your long-term savings goals, your short-term savings goals, how you can achieve them. And it's also, he's not, uh, he's not a therapist and he's very clear that he's Mm. not a therapist, but the sessions that we have with him are kind of therapeutic because we really have to get into a lot of like how we feel about money and why we feel that way. And the things that we took from our families of origin. And it's been really interesting. Um, So we've been meeting him with him for the last couple months. We meet with him twice a month over video video conference. Where is this person located? He's in Los Angeles. um, But he does. We met with him initially for coffee when we were sort of like, should we hire this guy? Oh, also, to clarify, he is uh, fee based. You pay him. He's not like a financial advisor who takes a percentage of like what you invest in. Oh, I didn't know that even a financial advisor did that. There are financial fee based, not like non fee based, commission based financial advisors. Got it. Um, But I didn't want to use one of those because I felt like we needed kind of something even more basic. Mm -hmm. Not even like, here's what you should invest in, but like, here's how you should manage your money. You know what I mean? Like, And, And you talk to this person, like, did you walk through everything that you spend and what you spend it on and how you feel about all that. So he, yes. So he like made us set up mint, uh, which both of us, it was funny, actually, both of us had years ago Mm -hmm. set up mint and promptly stopped using them. (laughs) That is what my husband and I use. So we both had these like long dormant mint accounts that we had to resurrect. Um, And we also had to do like a net worth spreadsheet. Oh gosh. And had to be like really transparent with each other and with him about our finances. And it it became clear that like Matt and I had never been totally transparent with each other about mm. our finances. Just about what you earn and what you how you save or like what you want, where you want your money to go. All of All it. All of it. Mm. Yeah. So it's been a really interesting journey. And the first few sessions were really devoted to like figuring out what we spend our money on and what our budget should be for spending that money. And like, why do we spend the money that we spend? And like, what do we get out of it? And he's very nonjudgmental, which I think is important, but he kind of like leads you to where... (laughs) Got it. You should be mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. being like, this is what you should do. 
but he'll be like, how did it make you feel to, you know, buy, buy that guitar? Shoes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> guitar. Yeah. Um, and so the last session, we were talking about savings goals and we were talking about how I, I really want to buy a house, not just for like investment reasons, but because I feel like I want a home. Mm. Um, and I want to feel like I like I, I want to feel like I live in a neighborhood that has other kids. Now that we have a kid, um, our neighborhood feels very transient. Like there's people like the, the house next door in the time that we've been in our house. I think like there's three apartments there. I think we've seen at least 10 different sets of people sure. kind of go in and out. It doesn't feel like a lot of people are really rooted. Exactly. Right gotcha. um, so that's one thing. I also, you know, I want to live in a house that like I can do what I want to it, um, that I feel invested in, really like put down roots. Um, and then I also started, when we were talking to our financial coach, I started talking about how I feel like in our current home, like it's not somewhere that I really want Henry to grow up in. There's not enough space for him. I want him to have like a playroom and an enclosed yard that he that like we feel safe having him go out and play in. And as I was telling our financial coach this, I could see Matt getting like, I wouldn't say agitated exactly, but he was, it was like something finally clicked for him about why I want a house for us that is ours and permanent and for Henry. And it was like, suddenly when I made it about Henry, he was like, Oh, okay. Like it, re I could like see it clicking for him. It was wild because I've been talking about this for like three years. Like I really want us to buy a house. I really like us to be saving for a house. And I just haven't felt like I could do this on my own. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I had buy-in from my husband. And suddenly it was like, I instantaneously had buy-in from my husband. And so our coach, his name is Dylan. Dylan helped us like... What a sexy name for a financial coach. <laughs> I love Dylan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Sorry. it sexy. <laughs> I mean, I just... Dylan. <laughs> his name is Dylan. I mean, I love it. Okay. Um, I'm having a little fantasy here in my head. He... He kind of, you know, he was like, okay, you're going to open up a new savings account. This is how much you're going to start it with. This is how much you need to put in it every month. Um, when do you want to buy this house? And I was like, next summer. And he was like, okay, this is how much I think you can save Wow! by next summer. Um, and this is how you're going to have to do it. And it's like an aggressive savings sure, plan. Sure. Um, but that afternoon or the next day, like really soon after that, Matt went and brought a guitar to be sold like an expensive guitar and he was like okay we're doing this wow yeah and you've also paid off your credit cards yes we've also paid off our credit cards we had some lingering ivf debt um that for a while had been on like zero balance zero percent balance transfer cards and it just kind of been like sticking around yeah it's just lurking in the it corner was just, yeah, it was just yeah. like lingering mm -hmm. i know those Debts. Yeah, and we were finally just like, like I was like, I need a clean slate, oh, oh, wow. and that was like, I need a clean slate, and I was like, good, let's have a clean slate. Um, so we paid that down, and that just feels, that feels really good. Man, weight must be just falling off your shoulders right now. It feels, a bit. yeah. I mean, 
it feels really good to have a plan. I will say. Yeah. Like it's, it feels more real now than it ever did before. Talk about self-care. I mean, mean, truly getting like, not even getting your finances in order, but just like opening up the window and looking at them. Yeah. Whew. I feel like it was a really important thing that we are doing for our marriage. Yes. Whoa. I don't know why I just got really. (laughs) Wow. And our family. Yeah. And Lil Henry. Oh, boy. And Bo, Dory. And Bo. Sorry, Bo. (laughs) I know it's your turn to apologize. (laughs) It is. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, But actually, you know. I would like a yard that I can just let Bo yeah, go run in. Yeah, it is about Bo too. Um, so yeah, hopefully by this time next year, we'll be talking about like the great house that we are buying. I can't wait to come over to that house. I'm really excited for I'm you to come over. I'm going to do a lot of visualization. Thank you. Really Me work too. on imagining it in my brain. Yeah, same. come to life. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, you, my friend. Yes. You are two days away from the big 40. Yeah. Get How me? does it feel? I feel great. I feel like I'm really like today I just slipped into my Crocs and I was like, I love not giving a shit. Yeah. I mean, I do give a shit way too much than I should. Sure. But I, I just am like just kind of settling into these bones. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I will say the only thing that is like weighing it down i i don't feel weird about aging yeah i don't that has never also birthdays have never particularly been like a big thing for me yeah um i think i've talked about this before i don't know if it's the summer birthday thing i just never like i've never had big birthday celebrations i don't need big fanfare for my birthday oh i guess i'll cancel the parade (laughs) The month of celebrating you. <laughs> I just don't like I, I honestly for someone who enjoys attention and is an extrovert in many ways, big celebrations and stuff like that like freak me out. Mm. Um, So the only thing that I do do a lot of is this mental math with the age that my mom was when she mm. died. And I've done this since my mom died. Like there's a lot of mental math that happens with grieving. I think you do the like it's been. I mean, listen, it's a Sinead O'Connor song. Yeah. It's been seven hours and 16 days or whatever it is. My point being, you do a lot of math calculating like how long it's been since the person's been in your life. But then the other math that at least I do, and I'm sure other people do, uh, is like, well, that person died at this age. I'm this many years from that, or I miss this many years past that. So I do a lot of like, my mom died at 56. I'm turning 40. That means I have 16 years left to live if I die die at 56. Do you ever do that kind of stuff? Or is this just, this must just be a dead mom situation? No, but my dad's dad died at 52. And I know that, like, I think when he was getting close to that age, he suddenly got really into fitness Mm. and like lost a bunch of weight. And became this like gym rat. <laughs> well, get ready in my 50s. <laughs> um, and you know, at the time I was, I was obviously, I was much younger. This was now you know, like 25 years ago. Yeah. And I didn't totally get it because I had also never met my grandfather. Mm. He died like, you know, several years before I was born. Yeah. So it just, it felt very abstract to me. And now that I am closer to 52 than I am to, you know, 16 or however old I was when my dad started like freaking out about this. Um, I'm like, 
Oh. Yeah, it makes more sense, I right? get it. 52 sounds really young now, and doesn't it? And it sounds really young. Yeah, like the old, the closer I get to 56, or the old, just the older I get, the more I realize how young my mom was when she died. Because mm-hmm. when I was 27, 56 still seemed old. Yeah. And now I know many people in their 50s who are very young. Yeah. And very full of life. And just the, just when I, revisiting like, the thought of like one day my mom woke up and found out she had cancer and nine months later she died and my mom was very healthy and fulfilled and energetic and living this great life. It's just kind of flips me out a little bit that I'm like, well, in 16 years, one of my kids will be 22 and the other one will be 24. So if I die, that's going to be really hard. Like I just do all that. Mm. So that's the only, but I do that with every birthday. Okay. It's just 40 you know, 56 minus 40 is very easy math to do. Yeah. 56 minus 39 is a little bit trickier. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing a little bit of that, but I'm also just very like, I just every day think about how I'm like grateful to be alive. Yeah. So there's that. I got to organize the products in my bathroom because my husband very gently and kindly today asked if uh, I could do that soon. Okay. Because they're really starting to encroach on our space the kitchen not the kitchen the bathroom counter is just littered with bo- with bottles and he needs room for his serums he needs room for his one bottle of face wash <laughs> from cbs brand and then he actually has a night cream that he likes it's by a company called sun mm-hmm. and they had sent us um uh, you know, just sent us products to try yeah, yeah, free yeah. of charge. And I passed them on to my husband. And now he he's on his like third bottle that he's bought himself. He loves their stuff. How does the skin look? Always nice. Huh. Uh, but like he's never had a skincare product yeah, that yeah, he yeah, has yeah, had yeah. some sort of like relationship with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's happened for him. Well, good job. Yeah. So a couple other things that I have been doing just in terms of self-care. And then I think we should take a little pause Rooney. That's a new one. Um, one, I have been washing my face only with water in the morning. Mm. Following with like an acid or a serum and then my face oil. And I'm really enjoying that mm-hmm. as a face, face washing morning mm-hmm. practice. Just throwing that out there. I'm into that. I know you're also a water morning person. I am. It just feels like my face is saving more of its like juice. Yeah. And I don't scrub it down every morning. Well, I think especially given that that we live in a pretty dry climate mm-hmm. and we are getting older. I mean, yes, literally, quite literally in two days, I will be older. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to keep more moisture in my skin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than strip it away like I used to in my youth. Mm, gosh, all that sea breeze. <laughs> oh, God. Sea breeze. It still smells good to me, though. You ever sniff it? It's so, I mean, it's, I think, isn't it literally called astringent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What a wonderful 90s word. Astringent. And I was like, give me all the astringent. Bathe me in astringent. (laughs) It's what happens as we continue to age. We just become more at ease. And then then life is like, well, you're done now. Bye. Like, is that just how life goes if we're lucky enough? Maybe. I also think that there I've I've often thought about there being an element of like, as you age, you actually rediscover or reclaim the person you were when you were a child that is heady dory i like that thank you 
Oh, shit. That's cool. I like that thinking. Uh, like the, the person you were before, before you became inhibited mm-hmm. and started worrying about what other people thought and, you know, just thinking about like what you love to do as a kid and like the type of person that you were. I might cry. That makes me very <laughs> emotional. Because I feel inhibited by these things since almost the day I can remember living. I I like to think about like, who was I between the ages of like, six and 10? I'm going to go with zero to five. Oh, okay. That's that's where like I feel like the space of my true essence is exists. I mean, like yes, like I look I look at pictures of myself from when I was like a, a little little kid, and I'm like, oh, that's me. There's Dory. There yeah. I am. Yeah, but I don't really remember that time very know, clearly. True. But I do remember like being a, a a child and thinking about like what I loved to do and how I spent my time and who my friends were mm. before, you know. I, I think I really identified with all of those like terrible 80s and 90s movies. I mean, they weren't terrible, but all those 80s and 90s movies about like the smart girl who felt like she had to like ditch her old dorky friends and become popular. Like that definitely happened to me. And I don't like the person that I became after age like 12. (laughs) You know, yeah, because it wasn't really me. Mm. I mean, but I guess it was. And maybe that's part of the process one has to go through to rediscover what is truly at your core and truly matters to you. Now you're getting heady. Wow, we are really, it must be this LaCroix we're drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I started thinking about that a few years ago and I, and I really think that, I don't know, it's something, I think it's something worth, it's an, it's an interesting exercise, mm. at least, for everyone to do. We've talked about this before. Because I am remembering a listener who wrote to us who was like, I love jumping on a trampoline. And now I do that now as an adult. Mm-hmm. I have this like vivid memory of their message. Yeah, we, I think we've touched on this before. Like what was a passion as a child that you rediscover as an adult? Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Dory, one thing that I'm revisiting yes. and you're visiting for the first time mm-hmm. is vegetarian eating. Yes. USA. <laughs> Vegetarian town? Vegetarian town. Veg town. Veg town. V town. That sounds like vagina. Well, we are also also in vagina Vagina town. Town. That's where we live all the time. (laughs) Uh, And we wanted to kind of swap recipes. Yeah. Oh, also, before we do that, I just want to mention that my former coworker, Summer Ann Burton, just launched a new magazine on Medium called Tenderly that is all about the vegan lifestyle. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but <clears throat> I got she sent an email around today saying that it had launched and I'm very curious about it. So I think for anyone interested, anyone who's veg curious or if our hardcore vegan listeners might want to leap on over there already. Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, I will sorry. check that. No, I'm, I'm eager to check that out. Um, we wanted to just share a couple of things that we've either have made or are making currently. Yeah. All of which prescribe to a general vegetarian ethos. Yeah. And I don't want to use the word diet. No. Philosophy. Mm, I like that. Thank you. Uh, and I should say I am not vegetarian. I eat meat. I was at Disneyland recently and really wanted a turkey leg. So I just want to clarify I'm not, you know, 
That's that's fine. But I have had a lot of fun remembering what I loved about vegetarian cooking, inspired in part by your recent dabble foray tasting. We went out to dinner recently. We ate all vegetarian food and it was fantastic. It was. It was great. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what you've been making? Yeah. Um, so I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but this butternut squash risotto from Cookie and Kate, which is, I felt like I, I could have mentioned recipes only from Cookie and Kate. That is a great blog. Mm-hmm. That is all vegetarian mm-hmm. recipes. Um, this, but this butternut squash risotto is so good. You had some. Guess what? I can speak to it. You were blown away. I if came I may. over to record the podcast and I had to order lunch and Dory very kindly offered me my own bowl of this butternut squash risotto. So not only did I save money, I got to try it and it was fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, was, it was so filling and yep. warming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, yep. mm. I just bought some more butternut squash. I'm going to make some more this week. It's a great, I mean, it, it, it I was a little bit like, am I going to like a butternut squash risotto? And then I, and it turns out, yes, you are Kate. I loved it. I loved it. It's very good. Um, there's another dish from Bon Appetit that I have been making a lot of, and it is broccoli and egg fried rice. Yeah, that sounds good. It is really, really good. Um, they have you kind of like crisp the rice and then also like sort of char the broccoli and scallions that are in it. Yum. And I usually like add a little bit more egg than it calls for just to give me another boost of protein. Um, I make it with brown short grain rice, the same rice that I use in the butternut squash risotto. It's delicious, I gotta say. Um, and then another thing that I'm about to start doing is making overnight oats. I'm a big overnight oat maker. Mm-hmm, uh, and I mm-hmm. highly recommend you get a whole batch of good things in the morning. It's super easy. Yeah. Um, it, it will maybe be a great food for your child when he starts mm, eating because my kids love it. You can also make a like a base batch and then add different things. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you just make a base batch in like a like a food storage container? I make a literal vat of it. I think you, you probably want to limit your usage of it to like three days. And okay. maybe it also depends on what you use. I use almond milk. Greek yogurt, full fat Greek yogurt, mm-hmm. um, maple syrup to sweeten it, and then oats. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I'm missing? I don't think so. Um, and then what I do is I kind of let each person add. One kid wants cherries in theirs. Another kid likes right. peanut butter. With you know, so I like the base batch, but I think you could also, since it might just be you eating it right now, experiment with delicious flavors. Yeah. So um, this site that I was looking at called Feel Good Foodie has a whole list of overnight oats variations that you can make. Yum. So I'm going to try some of those out. I'm very excited about that. Um, another recipe that I found recently that I'm, that I, I have to full disclosure, I've not tried yet, but I'm very excited to try is from the BBC good oh. food blog. Well, hello. And it is sweet potato harissa cakes with poached eggs. That sounds really good. Yeah. There's a newish restaurant here in Los Angeles called Fiona. I haven't heard of it. Oh, it's really good. And they make a sweet potato cake, kind of pancakey thing that is so good. I might like try to get that recipe. You're also very good at making latkes. So I feel like a 
a sweet potato cake mm, should be thank you very Kate. easy I'm, i hope so so i will report back on that but but that's that's gonna be my next thing that i try what about you what are some of your fave well this was fun i got to really revisit some classic kate spencer vegetarian meals mm-hmm. that um some i some i still make some i haven't made in a while the first one is a recipe called glory bowls mm-hmm. which the name <laughs> is unfortunate indeed because every time i think of glory holes yes yeah you don't need me to spell it out for you (laughs) but that is just what they're called this is a recipe that's been shared shared my best friend shared with me like probably 12 years ago um maybe less but we've we've passed it around for a while it's like spinach shredded raw beet shredded carrot with either i use tempeh but you could use tofu like a marinated tofu with this delicious dressing Mm. and then you can add um you know whatever maybe you could put pumpkin seeds or whatever but it's just the dressing is so good that i will make this dressing and just use it on all sorts of things i think the secret is nutritional yeast oh but this what's in the dressing it's like tamari or soy sauce lemon tahini nutritional yeast oil oh i guess the sesame oil it's it's just a hodgepodge of things that you just mix up in a little blender but it's so good and it's good. Some the crunchiness of the spinach and the beets, the raw beets and the carrots with like a savory tempeh. It's mm. just del- I love. Te- I really really like tempeh um, even more than tofu. So I just I love it. So I will link to that. Uh, another old favorite is this lentil and brown rice soup that um, is a old recipe of my mom's that I now make all the time. It's by Jane Brody. Ooh, in this URL, it says it's from 1989. It's a really old 80s recipe from one of Jane Brody's cookbooks. Nice. And the recipe calls for chicken, um, chicken stock or chicken broth. I've all, when I became vegetarian, I just switched to veg- vegetable broth. No difference. Uh, the Smitten Kitchen Mushroom Lasagna. I just threw that on here because I love it. I've made it for you. It's one of my faves. It's a really great, delicious, easy, it's a really good vegetarian entree. Um, Pamela Salzman, who is a You cook. love Pam. Yeah, yes, she's great. Um, has a really great vegetarian chopped anti-pasta salad recipe Ooh. on her website that is so delicious and filling. And if you're a meat eater, you could throw a meat protein in there and be very happy. And if you're vegan, you could take out cheese and also be very happy. I love this pasta with eggplant recipe mm. that I make from my feet. One of my favorite cookbooks, Patricia Wells's Trattoria. Another thing I mention all the time on this podcast, but I, I love eggplant. I know mm-hmm. eggplant is a controversial food. I like eggplant food. too. My husband does not, mm. but I will make a big batch of this. It's very, it's a pretty simple recipe. It's just delicious. I find the eggplant to be very like savory and warming. So that's an, oh, that's a fave I make all the time. Here's a, a meal I made and I hadn't made in years. A vegetable couscous paella. Okay, it's so funny that you have this on on here because I was literally looking for a vegetable couscous recipe, I and I couldn't this. find one that I liked. So I'm very excited for this. This is such a good recipe, and I I had like lost it. And while digging through my old recipe sheets last night, I found the paper version, and then was able to remember where I got it from, which is Epicurious. It's so good. I, it's a really delicious recipe. I have fond memories of making it for friends. So I feel like it could be a good thing for like a cool a group meal. And then the last fave 
vegetarian recipe I want to mention is um, something I learned in a vegetarian cooking class that I took many years ago. It was a gift from my husband. And it was a really great class. And unfortunately, I went and tried to search for the info for the class. I could not find it. And so I don't have this exact recipe, but I still make it kind of from memory. And it is sauteing like t- if you slice tempeh very thin and so and keeping like it's square shape, so it's gonna fit. It's gonna make a sandwich. Okay. So you want to cook some tempeh and shiitake mushrooms mm. in like soy sauce or tamari, maybe some sesame oil and ginger, some sliced ginger. Yum. And then I take that and I put it on sourdough bread, toasted. Although you could also probably do like a wheat bread, nice grainy bread, mm-hmm. um, mayonnaise mm-hmm. or veganaise if you're vegan arugula and it makes a really delicious Yum. sandwich that sounds really good it's so i'm gonna make that good and i think you could also just i mean just tempeh and mushrooms and ginger it's like mm. yeah Mm-mm-mm. delish so those are some old faves and and it was nice to kind of look at these again because a few i have not made in years and i'm very eager to get back to work wow on these recipes i'm excited especially that paella i'm gonna try to make it again Good. Yeah. See if anyone in my house eats it besides me. Well, I might eat it. You're welcome to. Plus, I owe you after that risotto. Oh, please. Oh, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. You brought me a whole mushroom lasagna. Come on. Come on. But it would be fun to make it and then be like, here, come to my house and Mm. I'll feed you this thing and see if you like it. All right. Now we are going to take a short break. Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. 
So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best 
with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Claire Saffitz. Welcome, Claire, to Forever 35. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Claire is a freelance recipe developer and video host. Previously, she was senior food editor at Bon Appetit magazine, where she worked for five years in the test kitchen. In 2012-2013, she studied classic French cuisine and pastry at École Grégoire Ferrandi a culinary and trade school in Paris, France, followed by an externship at Spring Restaurant. And she also has a master's from McGill, where she focused on culinary history in the early modern era. Claire is the host of the Gourmet Makes video series for Bon Appetit and the uh, end of the upcoming Bon Appetit's Baking School. She is currently working on a cookbook for Clarkson Potter slated for fall 2020, and she was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and now lives in New York City. And we are very excited to have her on the show. Very excited. Um, Claire, we'd love to just kind of start with how did you get interested in food and cooking? Yeah, it's a question I've, I feel like I've been getting a lot lately. Um, and I don't have a, like a super romantic answer. Um, but I think in thinking more about it, I do date it back to my childhood and being part of a family that just took food very seriously and where food was always at the center of like all of our activities. Um, the joke in my family is like we always plan the next meal at the current meal. Uh huh. That sounds familiar. Um, so I think it was always part of my family culture growing up. And I didn't even really um, have the perspective to identify like how important it was to me in my life. Um, and I'm naturally a great eater. Like I love eating. I love food. I've been sick recently and I haven't had a sense of taste. And it's mm. just like, it just makes me feel like life isn't worth living if you can't look forward to, to food and eating, you know? Yeah. Um so that's always been, I think, part of my DNA, but I really did not pursue it seriously or professionally until after I finished my undergrad. Um, mm. And I, I was like, I always like really liked school and was a good student. And I did like an American studies major um, in college. And then I graduated and I like had to live on my own and I started cooking a lot and it became the only thing I wanted to do and the only thing that I ever felt like doing. Mm-hmm. So at a, a couple of years being out of college, I kind of thought, well, if, if I want to be serious about this and, and try to pursue it, then I should do it now. Cause it's only kind of going to get harder as you get older. Right. And that's when I decided to go to culinary school. And it was more of like a proximate decision than an ultimate 
than, than like with an ultimate goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was like, this would be a great experience. I really want to learn this stuff. As I said, I like school. I like curriculum. Um, and at the time, I didn't really know how culinary school was going to lead into a more formal career. Um, and I always had this idea going back to a young age that I was going to like ultimately pursue academia. Um, and then, so I did culinary school, as you mentioned, um, and followed that with a master's program. That was just, it was a one year master's and I studied culinary history to kind of try to blend the two passions. Mm-hmm. Um, but like halfway through my master's, I got, I was just like, I'm tired of, um, like studying this. I wanted to be doing it. So then, then I decided that food media felt like a great fit because I really wanted to read and write and mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned I had a, a brief externship after my culinary training. And that was when I realized I did not want to work in a restaurant. It's uh-huh. not the, the lifestyle for me. Um, so food media was like the perfect fit. And then soon after I finished my master's, I got a great break, which was a chance to do some freelance recipe testing at Bon Appetit. And then that was, that was really the start of, of the career. And I was at Bon Appetit for five years and I'm still there just now, um, on more of a freelance basis to do video. Right. So, yeah, so everything, everything like made sense in hindsight, but certainly right. not in it did like any of it look like it was clear, you know? Totally. And did you ever think you would end up in front of the camera in this way? Because you've become such a big figure. I mean, essentially a viral star, let's say. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, not at all. I truly never, ever had an idea of myself as someone who wanted to be on camera. I'm not a natural performer in any way. Um, I, I always kind of hated being like, you know, in sort of any situation where it's like center of attention. I think I'm a true introvert. Um, like I require a lot of alone time to feel, to be able to recharge. Um, so in some ways, like being on camera is sort of runs counter to like my, my true personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like it. And that, and that was something I was really surprised to learn. And I, I'm not like, I'm not performing, you know, in, in a formal sense. I'm just like doing my thing and there's a camera that's capturing it, but, but there is a certain amount of having to kind of be on for the camera. Um, and it happened gradually, really. I think it was a, a big, a big factor. And it was just the shift from Condé Nast, which is the, the, the company that owns Bon Appetit. Condé Nast kind of shift from the, the, the old school print model for media to something, you know, more digital. So I, I was sort of, um, caught up in that shift at, very unexpectedly, really. So it's been so kind of crazy for me to like be a part of that and, and sort of see this huge change in my career and this like real left turn that I never saw coming, but it's been really, really fun. When did you realize that the videos had become such a hit? I think it took a couple of, well, several episodes in the the whole Gourmet Makes series. Mm-hmm. It felt really very much like a one-off. Um, and, and it was not something that I think anyone foresaw being this big series from the beginning it was really like let's try to take this one idea of like claire trying to make it twinkie yeah and so Uh, for for listeners who might not be familiar with gourmet makes can you just kind of briefly explain the concept 
Sure. Uh, it's basically me in the Bon Appetit test kitchen with sort of other food editors in and around, um, taking a classic sort of snack food, um, something like produced on a uh, mass industrial scale. So we did Twinkies, everything like junk food, Snickers, that kind of thing, Cheetos, um, and trying to create a version in the test kitchen that has, I mean, we call it kind of gourmet, which is a word I sort of laugh at because I don't really know what that means, but, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I make it with natural ingredients and I try to improve upon the flavor, um, which sometimes is very easy to do. And other times, like with Cheetos, they're perfect. I can't, I can't ever make a better one. <laughs> but, um, so that's the whole idea. And usually it's me failing a lot and then succeeding to varying degrees at the end. Sometimes it's a great success. Sometimes it's sort of like, we're just going to end this video because I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so the first episodes, even from the beginning, they they just performed really, really well. And I was sort of confused. I was like, why do people want to watch this? Like I, I was accustomed as a food editor to the styles, the style of videos that were, okay, here's a recipe. I'm going to make it start to finish and I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing and it's going to come out great. And that's it. Um, yep. And it was a little bit strange that people wanted to watch this video where I like screw up a lot. Um, but my perspective on it has shifted. I now enjoy it a lot more, actually. Um, it used to kind of like make me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> but can, uh, can I ask you a question? One thing I personally find satisfying about the series is that you are a professional who is fa- who you're, you're learning through failing, right? Like you're, that's how the process is happening. And we're so used to, I think, um, especially food professionals, just being successful, whether, you know, when we watch food videos online. And I'm wondering if you could talk about kind of the role failure plays in your experience with food and maybe how that transfers into how you deal with failure in other parts of your life. Oh, for sure. It was, I I had a little bit of anxiety throughout the, especially in the earlier um, like phases of the show, because I had this idea that failing made me look like not an expert. And I was worried about that. Um, and that kind of touches on all sorts of things like imposter syndrome and, and um, like other sort of like personal issues, but it is, and it's such a cliche that you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes, but it is so true. Um, like it's a cliche for a reason. So while it seems totally pointless to spend four days trying to make Skittles and then you, (laughs) and and it is, I, I absolutely come away from every single video having learned something concrete about like some process or some technique. So I, I do think it has helped me embrace those moments of failure a lot more um, because I'm someone for whom failure always felt, I mean, that was like the worst possible thing that could mm-hmm. happen, you know? Um, and I certainly wasn't used to it. And it's, I've learned, I think it's helped me embrace it a lot more and become and understand that it's part of the process. And in fact, it's like an essential part of the process. So I'm working on a cookbook now and it's all baking and baking can be very particular and often things don't come out. And, um, it's those times when it doesn't come out that you learn the next time. And then you sound, I think you, then it makes you sound so knowledgeable. You're like 
don't do this thing because I know what happens. It doesn't work, you know? Um, so I, I sort of look at it as like, I'm going to fail so that you don't have to, <laughs> to, to sort of to, to the, 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 the cooks who are making the, my recipes. Um, so it, it do, I do think it actually allows me to be more knowledgeable and to come off as even more of an expert. Whereas I thought initially it was like, if I fail, that means somehow I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so it's funny, I guess I, I, I like that the show is being so kind of like lighthearted and wholesome, but it has truly helped me, I think, be a better at my, at my job as a recipe tester in the end. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Your videos are kind of an antidote to the videos from sites like Tasty that are just, you know, 
less than a minute long and sort of these sped up recipes that are just hands. Um, and your videos are long, like some of them are close to half an hour long. Um, and they're about you and you, you know, we see you going through the process. So I'm wondering if that was part of the thought process when you were developing the show. Like, did you want these to be kind of in contrast to these videos that were all over Facebook? It's so funny. I have had so little to do with the like producing side of it. Uh-huh. And I, I think, and, and I'm glad actually. Um, so when I left Bon Appetit as a full-time employee, a lot of people asked me, like, are you going to start your own YouTube channel? And, and I was like, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't even like going, I don't like spend a lot of time on YouTube. I don't watch a lot of videos. Like that felt, that's the side that I, I'm like very happy not to have to deal with. Um, So the team that produces the videos and edits them, they're so good. Um, And so when I watch a video, like I'm surprised, I'm like, Oh God, like it's 25 minutes. You know, like I'm like, that's a long video. That's a show. Like that is, that is a TV show. Right. And and they put in ads. I think, I mean, a lot of times, like, the length is, like, they're happy to make them 25 minutes. Right. Another ad in. So that's definitely part of, like, the business model. Um, but I'm always, it's a surprise to me to watch a show and see, like, what, what not only what made its way in, but, like, what the camera captured. So from my perspective, because I'm certainly not an actor and I, it's sort of impossible for me to not be myself on camera. I just don't know any other mode. Right. Um, so they really, it's very separate. It's like they put me in the kitchen and it's also very minimally produced, which is great. It's mm-hmm. not like on a set with lights and three cameras. It's me and the camera guy, Kevin and our director, Dan, who are friends, you know, and like I just get to be myself in a work environment where I'm feel very comfortable and where all the people behind me are also my friends. So it just captures that super real kind of um, atmosphere. So um, yeah, like the final edit of video is a surprise to me. And often my mom is like the one who calls me and tells me the video is up. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, I, once the director is like cut and I'm done, I have no idea what goes on, which is like my, truly my preference. Can we circle back to something you were saying about how you're an introvert and you require a lot of alone time to kind of recharge? I was wondering if you could talk about just what that looks like for you. We talk a ton about, you know, people's different self-care practices. And I think introverts especially have a very unique approach to f- like finding ways to recharge and care for themselves. Yeah, I I think it was probably like five years ago I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain. Um, and that was the first time I had really had someone describe and truly define what introversion looked like. And it was like, re- I was reading, I mean, I, I'm like the classical presentation, I think. So it's not that I don't like being social or spending time with people. I do. It's just that that doesn't charge my battery. It tends to drain it. Mm-hmm. So to recharge, I need just like a critical mass of time by myself doing whatever, like wasting time on the internet, reading, um, watching like bad TV on cable or good TV. Um, but just time alone to myself at home. 
Um, and it's been very useful to understand that, especially now that I'm doing these kinds of things on camera, then it's like, I know that for me to take care of myself, it means balancing that camera time with just activities at home by myself that make me feel good. Um, so it's, it was funny that I sort of had to like read it in a book to identify all of those qualities in myself. Uh, but it was really useful. So I'm someone who, if I get, if I have too many like plans in a row, I get overwhelmed and anxious. So I, I have to sort of be very careful and thoughtful about my time and, and, and building in. I mean, mostly just means I like go home a lot <laughs> at night. Um, or I plan like early dinner so I can go home and spend a certain amount of time kind of recharging by myself uh, before I go to bed. That's the thing is I, I tend to go to bed really late if I haven't had that time. I'd rather stay up for two hours, two extra hours, so I can just have some time to decompress than like go right to bed, you know, when I get home. And, but, and what is your chosen mode of decompression? Um. Well... I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but a lot of it is like organizing my space. Uh -huh. um, that's like being, that. Yes. That's that very soothing. Yeah. 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 Like feeling like I have things are ordered. I mean, I like things like folding my laundry and um, like, you know, organizing my cookbooks and it just helps me feel in control of my space. I know where everything is. Everything has a place that gives me sort of a, like internal feeling of calm um, and order that I find very soothing. Um, so those kinds of, um, I, I sort of, I guess it's really another way of looking at it, like curating my space and making it comfortable. And I like to, I like to take baths and light some candles. Um, I like reading in the bath. I've, I have a hard time reading before I go to bed because I just fall asleep. Um, so creating spaces to like read and focus on the New Yorker or the book that I'm reading, that kind of thing. But it's, it's very much like inhabiting a space that feels like mine, um, that I have control of, even though in my, like, I live with my boyfriend. So, um, I moved in about six or seven months ago. So that's been like another challenge is, um, trying to create my space, you know, living with another person, which I've never done before. And your boyfriend uh, owns a restaurant, right? He does, yes. So he works in the restaurant industry. Um, he has a restaurant in Chelsea Market in New York called Creamline. Um, and he works from home a lot. So I went freelance a couple months after we moved in together. And there was like a couple months where I was like, we were both home a lot. And right. I, I like freaked out. Um, and because routine is also very important to me. So, um, like that was challenging and I had to really um, sort of understand like this is going to be hard and it's going to get better. Uh, and, and now things are great and I'm happy that we made this decision together. Uh, but, it, but it, it certainly is important for me to have a space that's mine where I can just kind of be alone and we're good at communicating. I think we're sort of wired similarly. And so, he does not get upset or hurt when I say to him, like, I need you to leave, you know, like I need some mm -hmm. time to myself, which is great. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the cookbook that you have coming out next year? Yeah. Um, okay. So it's a, it's going to be a baking book, which I mentioned. 
Um, it's funny when I first thought about what kind of cookbook I wanted to write. I really just thought about like, it's a lot of work. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I sort of like, well, if I'm going to be spending all of this time and effort, I should be doing the thing I really want to do. And usually that's baking because baking is my, my hobby and, and a form of therapy. So I didn't anticipate that baking takes a long time and that like the rest <laughs> take a long time to make. Um, so it's a lot of, like, it's a lot of work. Um, do you do that work at home? I do it at home sometimes, but during that period where I was freelance and, and, um, recently like joined households with my boyfriend, I kind of realized that I had to get out of my house a little bit. Otherwise I got cabin fever. So I do have a little space that's a friend's kitchen where I recipe test that's in Brooklyn. So I, now I live, um, on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. And so my old neighborhood is in Brooklyn. So I go back to my old neighborhood and use my friend's kitchen and test there. So that's really useful. So I, it's like when I'm there, I'm at work, very productive, and then I can come home and enjoy being back in my space. Um, yeah, so the book is all baking, but it's not all sweet. It is mostly dessert and sweets, but there's a lot of savory stuff too. Um, so the argument of the book is really that baking is just as creative and flexible as cooking. I think there's this kind of bias against baking Hmm. um, where you hear people say like, I'm, I'm a cook, but I I don't bake. Um, And I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell people that it's the same thing. Um, And and there's, this isn't going to make it into the book, but I've always kind of felt like there was a gendered argument there. It was like Hmm. men are chefs and they're cooks and they're impulsive and passionate and creative. And, and, you know, there's flames and there there's high heat and it's very dramatic. And then women, are the bakers and they're type A and precise and rigid. Um, and I think that's like a totally unfair uh, characterization of the two. So I'm just trying to be like baking is for everyone, you know, and, and the book is sort of like, here's, here's how really kind of through the lens of the types of recipes that I really like to bake. Does it have a title yet? I have a title. This is actually just back and forth um, with my editor about the title. I think I'm going to call it Dessert Person, which is it's like a a frame of mind, really. You know, it's a state of being, Um, and that's like how I self describe. I'm a dessert person. You know. Oh, I love that. I love that too. Can you give us a a preview of one of the recipes in the book that you developed? Let's see. I'm trying to think of the last recipe. The last recipe that I've worked on. Oh, I did a, um, I don't really like New York style cheesecake because it's just so much of a uniform, like creamy texture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I was trying to think of like, what's a cheesecake that I can get behind and that I really like. So I did a version that was really more of a tart and it has, mm. it's actually, it's a mixture of goat cheese and so there's like a tiny, a tiny savory hint with like a lot of lemon zest and stuff um, and a lot of vanilla. So that one I was really into. It's Yum. funny. I, lose, I like totally lose perspective on a recipe when I'm working on it. Um, and I kind of get really in my head about it. So then I bring a piece home and I ask my boyfriend to try it. And then he tells me if it's good. He'll be like, you're done. You know, if it's good. <laughs> I wish you could see our faces right now as we you were describing like, really? that. Ah. The goat cheese and the lemons. That, yeah, we were both kind of mouths agape. Yeah. Very, oh, nice. very yeah. excited. It was pretty good. Was pretty good. 
I have kind of a dorky question that has popped into my head and I really want to ask somebody who is a who cooks professionally for a living. What is your comfortable shoe of choice as someone who does a lot of standing and moving as part of their job? Yes. Um, I really prefer a clog. Okay. Okay. And for the kitchen, it's a dance go, which I've always worn. And, and it's the kind of thing where I don't notice when I have them on, but I notice when I'm not wearing them because then my feet hurt. Yeah. You know, mm. I mean, I so love a dance go. Clog, some people can wear them like in life and look really cute. Um, I don't feel like I'm that person. Um, so I just kind of wear them in the kitchen, but I, you know, clogs are like cool now. So, um, you can like rock them with jeans and not just in the kitchen. Put a heavy sock in. Yeah, just really get cozy in those. I have like 50 pairs of dance goes. So. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, there you, go. Yeah. you are a dance go devotee. That is what I describe myself as. Yes, story. <laughs> and I do not bake a single thing. You can write a book called Dance Go Person. <laughs> <laughs> the companion book to your, it'll just be a res- recipes for shoes. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, well, Claire, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, we hope you continue doing the videos. Um, well, thank you. Great. And, and Claire, your book is slated to come out in the fall of 2020. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Well, fingers crossed. Better like get back in the kitchen because the deadline is looming. So, but yes, fall 2020. Well, we look forward can't to wait. it. Can't wait to make that cheesecake. I know. Awesome. <laughs> um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And oh, sorry. Just before we go, where can people find you besides YouTube? Well, besides YouTube, well, um, I'll have a recipe that's going to be in the June, July issue of Bon Appetit. So I'm going to maybe do a little bit of uh, like recipe contributing there. Nice. All the videos are on YouTube. Um there is a new channel that Bon Appetit just launched that is an OTT channel. Um, so something you can download on Apple TV, Roku, um, I think cool. of the other one. Oh, Amazon TV. And that's where all episodes, of, like all of their food shows, um, are. So all the old episodes of Gourmet Makes and new episodes. So that's oh, another cool. their place besides YouTube. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be doing that tonight. Same. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, Claire. Thank Have you. a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Claire. Take care. So how did your intention go last week, Kate? Oh, I made the strawberry summer cake on Smitten Kitchen's website. Oh, really? I did. And it was... Very delicious. Mm. I mostly ate it as breakfast. My, Yum. my kids ate it as breakfast. Yum. Uh, and it was great. And it was it was simple. I could do it. Like I did it. That's awesome. I did it. I also Yay. made a blueberry pie for a friend's barbecue. So oh I made gosh. a lot of dessert. Look at you. It is the easiest blueberry pie. I will share this recipe. Did you make the crust? Oh hell no. Okay. Yeah. Store bop baby. Yeah. This is a literally called five minute blueberry pie. It's my mother in law's recipe. It's amazing. Raylene always coming through for me. She's the best. She's I love cook. all this new found cooking confidence you have. I, know. I just opened up my copy of Salt Fat Acid Heat this morning to think of something to make for dinner this Look week. So leaning in here. What do you have going on this week? Oh, in all caps, I wrote celebrate myself and my life. Yeah, you did. Just making it all about me. I mean, just gonna toast myself. Yes, that's it. 
do that. That's all I want to do. Please Just take it easy and enjoy the fact that I get to be here. Yes. Amazing. How about you, my friend? You were doing a little bit of organizing. I was. I wanted to finish my pantry organization. And you know what? I pretty much did. Whoa. We are knocking out of the ballpark today. Yeah. I I bought some more of those containers. Um, I still need to get a couple more small, like very small ones for some odds and ends. But like it's mostly done and it feels really good. I did go in to fill up my water cup in your kitchen today. And I have to say it was sparkling. It was organized. Why, thank you. It was clean. Thank you, Kate. It was enviably nice. Oh, thanks. Well um, done. Well done. Thank you. This week, this week, a big one. I do. I, I wrote down to be at peace with my breastfeeding and pumping journey. I, I keep I keep going back and forth on this. Mm. Um, a few days ago, I was like, that's it. I'm going to wean like I'm done. He hates breastfeeding. He like screams every time he gets on the boob. Pumping sucks. Like, fuck this. Then like, as though he had heard me <laughs> the last couple of days, he's been like blissfully breastfeeding. I pretty much only feed, I breastfeed him in the morning and then sometimes again in the afternoon. But like the morning is kind of our big, our big breastfeeding sesh. He's been like loving it. Like, I heard what you said. Yeah. He's like, time to mess with you. Yeah. And he's just like lingering and just really enjoying it, not fussing. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> um, so he's really making me rethink this whole idea. And then I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get a one of those pumps that you can just put in your bra. Oh, one of those newfangled pumps. Cool. Um, I'm buying it off someone. Okay. And I'm going to see how that goes. Great. Um, but yeah, it was very weird. It was like, it was like, he was like, oh, you're going to stop. Well, wait, I'm going to show you how amazing <laughs> breastfeeding can be. <laughs> but it sounds like you are keeping an open mind and giving yourself the space to do what is best for you and your family. I am trying to do that. Yes. Way to go. Thank you. Because that's really hard. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think I've also just realized that, like, I can I can say I'm going to do something and then change my mind. Uh-huh. Definitely. You know? Doesn't have to be, like, totally black and white. Nope. It doesn't at all. Good, so, good, good rule of thumb. Well, thank you. Well, Dory. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Lingering at the end. <laughs> like my son on my boob. <laughs> We're just <laughs> suckling away happily. <laughs> on these microphones. <laughs> I was going to say at the teat of this episode, but I think the microphones are more physically uh, apropos. Uh, hey, if you want to give us a call, we are at 781-591-0390. Or you may always email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And we do have a Facebook group that is quite active at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. And the password there is serums. And if you enjoy listening to Forever 35, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, or mention us on social media. And just a reminder that everything we mention is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. 
And of course, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Lane Hammer is our assistant. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye.